I mean, that's one of the benefits that came out of the pandemic is almost everything is now going to be online, you know, so that more people can reach and join in. But I have to admit, I really appreciate meditating with people, having a group and, and being able to share. But, I, you know, just the energy of being around other people that have the same determination to or wish what you find in Christian churches or Muslim or any kind of religious gathering. People are searching for peace and wanting access to that feeling of love, that feeling of appreciation. I caught a little bit of uh, teaching from Ajahn Suchito this morning about mudita, which is um, Pali for appreciative joy. And uh, that's up for me right now. I have grandchildren and my youngest grandchildren. How old is mine? Six? Six and two and a half. Uh, you know, they just, they're very excited about Easter baskets. It has nothing to do with religion as far as my family is concerned, but we're celebrating Easter. And so made a little, some little bags and stuffed them with some little toys and we hung them on their door so they would just be surprised. It's not something I usually do for them. So it was a real surprise for them. And uh, I got a little uh, text message, not a text message, but a um, FaceTime from my grandson, six-year-old grandson, just before coming up here today. So at like five to 10, he phones me, he's all excited and he's sharing about uh, how, how much he and his sister really enjoyed this. And it just, it, it feels so good. You know, this, this is what appreciative joy is. You see the delight on a child's face, not, not just because I was involved in it, but just because I wasn't involved in all. He also took me over to this basket that, he, that was just stuffed with candy. And he started to go through it one at a time. You know, it's like, I remember those days, but it's just, it's so fun. It's just such a nice feeling. The same with seeing people meditating, you know, just like I was looking in the room while people were meditating and every single person was in a very, was in a different posture. And I, I just really appreciated that, you know, it's like, whatever is comfortable, what's comfortable you know, what makes me feel solid and at ease? And it's different for everybody. And it's just lovely to see the effort that we put forth as individuals within a group. You know, the individuals of us. <laughs> Altogether, there's about 20 of us. You know, and it's just really, really lovely to share this space, what we call an urban refuge. Uh, this building, this community, it's our urban refuge. I sent out an email to our board yesterday 
um, about our urban refuge saying that, you know, that I'm about to put out a um, newsletter and a new website. The website should be out any moment, very soon, any day now. <laughs> just We're just trying to transfer from the old one to the new one. And it's just taken a couple of days to do that. But, and around the, the, the theme of communication I'm going for is, is our, our refuge, the doors to our refuge is open. And look who walks in, you know? Look who is going to be part of us. The individuals of us, we're all, though we're individual, we form a community of energy that is striving for peace, that is striving for beauty, that is striving to rest and dwell in goodness, in wholesomeness, in beauty, in the love of truth, in love of reality. What I really like about this teaching from Ajahn Suchito is he, he points out, which I'll read it in a bit, it's just five minutes, but he points out how we're very practiced in paying attention to what we want to fix, what, what we need to get out of the way so that we can be at peace kind of a thing. What, as opposed to appreciating the goodness and the peace and the calm that's here right now. We all are aware that there's a lot of unrest in the world right now. There's a, a lot of horror, a lot of pain. There's always been, but right now, there's a, you know, it's, it's, it seems more intense. On top of, there's global warming. There's extinction. There's, what do they call them? There's a, I can't remember what they call them, devil hornets or something. What, what are those hornets? Murder hornets? That what? Murder hornets? Murder hornets. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just, we can, we can open the paper, we can open our cell phone, we can turn on the TV, and we can find all sorts of things to be pretty upset about, and rightly so. And right now, right here in this room, our mind might go there. If my mind has been there for the last couple of weeks, actually, some of my reflections have been around, <laughs> you know, the very challenges and the difficulty, the emotional difficulties of meeting these sad challenges of uh, what's going on in the world. But what Ajahn Sajito is pointing out is to not neglect the reality, the acknowledgement of that in this moment, in this room, in this place right now, there, there's peace. And we can be free from fear. We can be free from grief by acknowledging that which is good, that which is wholesome, that which is present in this moment. So just practicing 
we spend a lot of time and I spend a lot of time talking about being present and um, welcoming and okay with the difficult, with the painful, with the chaos, with the emotional upheavals. And what Ajahn's talking about is also don't neglect that we can also be present and really acknowledge when we aren't in pain, when there's actually not in this moment grief. And you know, I don't know what's going on in each of your individual lives. Uh, so I'm not saying deny or neglect that there's that, but also paying attention to when there isn't. So for myself, a beautiful start, lovely, lovely email to wake up to, um, person being just very happy and very grateful. And that was really sweet to, to wake up to. And then my grandchildren, you know, seeing their happy faces and excitement. That was very, very sweet. And not, not neglecting that there's hurt and pain in the world, but there's also in this moment things to recognize and acknowledge when they feel good. It's not... Things don't always need to be fixed. So really paying attention. There's a skill in developing, and it's one of the Brahma Viharas. It's one of the four highest emotions is mudita, the appreciation for the joy within ourselves, the successes of others. It feels really good. It feels really good to sit here in a room full of people and on online. Well, it's not full, but <laughs> with a number of people, you know, making the same effort I'm making, which is a, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. And it, it's a skill. It's a skill to develop. It's one of the highest emotions. It's one of the emotions that the enlightened ones feel because they're without the baggage that we all carry around. <laughs> but sometimes it's not there. Sometimes the baggage isn't there. You know, so recognizing in this moment, it feels good. It feels beautiful. It feels strong. I remember the first time I was down at Abaya Gary. I've spent a lot of time down there. Not recently, but uh, did a lot of training and spent a lot of time down there. And the first coming into contact with the monks and going down there and, and doing some med, quite a bit of meditation and a couple of days into it, feeling for the first time in my life, experiencing, I uh, don't even know how to, I don't know how to word this, but the emotion that came up, I, I was staying in a tent and I had a long ways to walk through the forest to get down to the meditation in the morning. And by the time I got down there, it I felt as if, everything I laid eyes on was 
a friend. I don't know how else to explain it. And literally, even the hose that was wound up <laughs> hanging on the house, I felt, I, I felt friendly toward everything. And it was, and I'd never felt this in my life before. And I can still recall this feeling because it was unusual. It was, I'd never had this feeling before. And I've come to realize over the many years since that experience happened. And it actually literally lasted for about a day and a half and then it waned off. But I've come to realize that what it was, what it, what that was is all this dialogue of what this is over here in comparison to who I am, what I want, what I should be, what I want other people to think of me. So even just using the example of the hose, it was a hose that I had used to water some plants the day before. Uh, you, you get work schedules when you're down at a bike area. And I wound it up. And while I was doing this, my mind was, this was the very beginning of my meditation practice, but, or my exposure to this particular lineage, I should say that. I'd been meditating for a couple of years, but then I started with this lineage. And the training was very different. And, uh, and I re recognized what, was, what wasn't present when I looked at that hose was what was present the day before. I was a little bit irritated. I didn't want to water the plants. The hose wasn't long enough for me to reach all the areas I wanted. So I was thinking about the things that weren't great, things that could be better. And that, but that all of that was not present the next day. And I didn't recognize that until after that feeling began to wane and these thoughts began to come back in. And then I recognized this doesn't feel so good. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I remember talking to somebody once that uh, had climbed Mount St. Helens with a group of friends. And she was really excited about going on this trip, or like four of them or, or whatnot. And they packed a lunch and they were going to eat their lunch at the top of the ridge and can look out. I don't know if you still can, but at the time, this many years ago, you could look out over the edge and see the crater. And uh, she got up to about, how, how tall is Mount St. Helens? I'm going to say 14,000 or is that no? 8,000? Like 8, after the top blew off? Okay. So about 8,000 feet is to the top. And she got up to 7,000. And then she just had to take a break. And her friends didn't want to stop because you only have a limited amount of time that you can get up there and return within, a, within your permit. Um, so so but she, just, she just had to, to stop. And so she was talking to me about, she was beating herself up that she, she stopped, she sat there and she waited for her friends to come back down. And she was upset that her friends didn't wait with her. <laughs> and she was up, really upset with herself that she didn't make it all the way up uh, to the, to the um, top of the, to the mountain. And then she went on to talk about that while she was sitting there, she was looking out over the view and it was absolutely stunning, but she didn't make it to the top. The view was really gorgeous. <laughs> so we started just 
chatting about, yeah, you know, that all that extra stuff about I didn't make it. It's all extra, you know, but what we can, and we, we tend to do this, you know, I, I didn't do what I set out, told myself I was going to do, and I should have done that. But she still climbed 7,000 feet, sat down, and had lunch with a beautiful view, all silent, wasn't disturbed by other people, chabbering, which she really enjoyed. You know, so, if, I mean, it's just such a great example if we can pay attention to what, to the, to the benefits, the beauty, the goodness that we can't, that we neglect because of this dialogue that comes in and said it should be other than, it, than the way it is actually. It should be other than this. I should be better than this. I'm not as good as I thought I, you know, all that is extra. What's true is she, she climbed 7,000 feet, sat down, had a gorgeous view and ate her lunch in silence. And then she could really appreciate that and, and, uh, and just giggle at the fact that, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, that I'm hooked on this other thought. It's just, it's really fascinating, I think, how we, how we fool ourselves. So anyway, I'm going to read this little bit from Ajahn uh, Suchito. It's about Mudita. It's called, it's a chapter in a book called Meditation, The Way of Awakening by Ajahn Suchito. And the chapter is Mudita, Sharing in Joy. Mudita means appreciative or empathetic joy. It's happiness that arises from appreciating other people's or one's own good fortune. It comes from acknowledging the basic happiness, the freedom from pain, fear, or grief that all beings seek. It can be sensed as the buoyancy that occurs when we touch into well-being or whenever a difficulty ceases, even temporarily. This quality which flows into appreciation, contentment, and gratitude is tremendously nourishing. It is, however, something we lose contact with. Often we're dwelling in the future with desire or anxiety, or in the past and even in the present, the mind snags on what we find irritating and is programmed to imagine how much better things could be than they are right now. It takes an effort to imagine how much worse things could be. This critical program motivates us in terms of discovery and invention, but it's numb to appreciation and contentment. Without the balance of being able to appreciate the good fortune, the relief from pain and distress that we have right now, the mind gets stuck with the inner critic, the voice of complaint and negativity. This fault-finding negativity can dog everything we do and snipe at other people as well. We don't see the good things that we, they do, or we see our own or others' unskillful actions as some kind of permanent identity. When this critic called the Aritti in Buddhism takes over, cynicism, jealousy, and more subtlety, indifference also grows. They make our hearts gloomy, petty, and contracted. And even when it's just this sense of resignation, Ariti closes down access to well-being and joy. 
It's good to consider what gets in the way of this natural joy. Factors such as perfectionism, performance drive, and goal orientation will have the Ariti side effect, the, the Ariti side effect unless they're balanced with appreciation. Meditation itself gets tense when we expect results and neglect a sense of appreciation. So it's important to cultivate a sense of respect for the aspiration and commitment that gets us to meditate in the first place. I generally advise meditators to reflect and dwell on the goodness that is already there in terms of ethical sensitivity and integrity and let their heart fill with that at the beginning of a meditation session. Effort requires nourishment. It's the common sense measure of putting gas in the tank when setting out on a journey. As with the other bases of kindness and empathy, once we put aside the differences in personality and status, it's easy to refer to other people as much, as much the same as ourselves. We sympathize with their suffering and shortcomings and are gladdened by their happiness and goodness. So it's skillful to keep returning to the basics in oneself and others, to attune to the specific presence of people and things without adding comparison of self with others or past with uh, future. We can let go of the tendency to judge in terms of who deserves what and how things should be. Who knows? And where does happiness arise from in ourselves and in others? It's through appreciation, not through accountancy. An appreciation of our own humanity is something that a downturn of fortune doesn't deprive us of. So when we cultivate mudita, it's not it's based not on who we deserve, right? So when we cultivate mudita, it's based not on who deserves what, but on the wish that we or others get in touch with our innate goodness. It also causes self-improvement. Whoever is more appreciative is going to be more contented, less demanding, and less irritable. As a consequence, they're going to act a lot more skillfully. When we attune to a fundamental sense of being, rather than just our personality or our current concerns, we can be simply open and present. It's through this, rather than adding a whole list of approvals, that we arrive quite naturally at appreciative joy.